Hello, and welcome to another Sports Next Door podcast. My name is Owen. Today is Monday, September 19th, and I am joined, as I always am, by my neighbor Max. How's it going, my friend? It was a rainy day in Montreal, just like any other, and uh, not much was going on on it, just like any other. Uh, second week in the classes, sports world is dead, the weather seems to have hit a hard hard sharp right out of the summer heat and into the wake up and it's 10 degrees you left your window open and now your room is frigid which i don't mind at all i don't know i i feel like i should be getting a bit more personal with the personal stuff but really just focusing on the external oh i did have my first driving class today and uh drove a car for the first time in five years in the streets of downtown montreal so that was interesting uh, yeah, I did a little bit of driving over the weekend as well in downtown Toronto, and I forgot how no one knows how to drive in the city. Well, I literally don't know how to drive, <laughs> but at least there's a sign on top of the car explaining that. Yeah, yeah. People are people are aggressive and, and don't have any thought for others' times, but I mean, that's always how it's been, so yeah. Yeah, that... Uh... It honestly went kind of surprisingly well. Okay. Like like the instructor was like, she'd asked me what my driving experience was. I was like, yeah, I know how to drive. I, I have known how to drive. So we get in the car and she's like, go turn left here. And it's just like, oh, we're just going to do it jump like right that. Into and it. <laughs> jump right on the streets, eh? And then, uh, yeah, that I guess, I don't know, I didn't freak out or anything. And as long as you stay calm, yeah. like... You figure out how much to nudge the gas, how much to nudge the brake, and went pretty smooth and steady. Nice. Love it. Yeah. <laughs> it's like hopping on. It's like riding a bike again, right? That's yeah. The, yeah. <laughs> Just <laughs> when you, well, well, when you get on the bike for the first time in a while and you wobble a little, the effects of that wobble are confined to the bike when it's a several thousand kilogram piece of steel. Um, the wobble, you freaks you out a little more but same principle exactly yeah i uh i feel more in tune with the way that cars work now that you're actually behind the wheel and mm -hmm. i was complaining about the way that my parents car was moving um over the weekend and i got <laughs> i got a it, that didn't go over well with my mom because she doesn't notice it because she drives the same car, but I thought it, it felt slow on the pickup or maybe I'm just really particular mm -hmm. now that I've just started driving. <laughs> yeah, well, they like worked their way up to that car and it's their dream car. So a bit of like you can't insult the sacred cow going on there or something. Yeah, I think so. Although, although like surprising your taste has gotten so refined to be well, looking down on the Audi already. I think it was the one car that was mine. I drove mm -hmm. for four days and the transmission crapped out on the 401 and had that yeah. really fun experience. So now I'm just not particular, but just worried that something is going to go wrong every time I push the accelerator down. <laughs> right. Huh. I, I, I feel like in theory, it should be the opposite. Like you were driving a lemon. Now every non-lemon feels amazing, but uh, that's just your unique outlook, eh? The car itself felt amazing to drive. I just mm. felt like when I was accelerating, I was like, oh, this feels... Or maybe because it was so receptive, that felt weird even. I don't know. Oh, yeah. Different is different. And I, I don't know. You'd think different from the Lemon to the Audi would be positive. You would think so. Yeah. 
I guess the only it's the only uh, solution from this is just to drive it more, right? <laughs> yeah, there you go. They've got you. Uh, if they want to hear you complain less about it, they've got to put you behind it more. Yeah, I mean it's either that or back in the market for a car of my own, but it is it is so tough to find them. They, first find cars and then secondly find them for a decent deal and wow uh, because they are in such the piece the parts are in such demand that uh prices are a little bit higher than you'd like and um, everyone's snatching up all the good deals so uh yeah if anyone is anyone you know anyone out there listening that's selling a car hit me up there you go uh that about wraps up all the <laughs> Preamble. We don't have a huge podcast today, and it feels 95% Owen-centric as we're at the part of the year where the two sports that he follows, that which I do not, the NFL and the MLB, are in, well, MLB in full swing. NFL, I guess when you only have 17 weeks of play, every week is full swing um, and nothing going on in almost any other sport. So, oh, you ready to talk a lot? Yeah, it is all gas, no breaks on the NFL season. Week two, uh, they they gave us a full slate, slate for week one. And now for this week, uh, something extra fun to look forward to is two Monday night games tonight coming up after the podcast, uh, Philadelphia and Minnesota, and then Buffalo and Tennessee going on on a Monday night. And uh, lots of potential for those ones to be quite interesting as uh uh, everyone can recall the COVID year where Buffalo played Tennessee on a Tuesday. And I can't remember any other time ever that uh, a football game was played on a Tuesday in the NFL. So these teams have some wacky history in recent memory. And I think uh, Buffalo, the overwhelming favorite for the Super Bowl, and Tennessee, a team on the decline. Uh, I, I just see everyone riding Buffalo, and I think there's possibility for Tennessee to um, – shock some folks ruin some uh, suicide pools things like that uh so just keep an eye out for tennessee tonight and my boy derrick henry needs to get probably 80 points for me to win my fantasy matchup this week <laughs> i am in deep i need a performance that has never happened before so yeah rough week in fantasy for me hate to hear it uh, in no other sport than football would the day the match happened like command any more than two percent of a narrative but just one of the many bizarre things yeah um, people will be able to check back in on owen's prediction by the time this pod is up and the other one yeah uh philadelphia and minnesota i mean justin jefferson's getting buzz as being offensive player of the year already after week one he was my fantasy mvp last week and i think philadelphia's defense came out a lot uh flatter and and less quick than their fans were hoping for and i think the minnesota air attack is going to do quite a lot of damage uh against the eagles so i have minnesota taken that one uh, but that is risky given uh, Kirk Cousins' primetime uh, uh, track record. So putting it all out on the line for that one tonight. Are the Vikings well and truly on the up and up, or is this just one player like making a dip in their trajectory that people are getting hasty on after one week? It's a, uh, it's a new coach there. 
they they fired their coach who was more defensively minded, brought in a new coach that is uh, a little bit more creative on the offensive side of the ball. And they just have great weapons to utilize in an offense like that with Justin Jefferson being uh, 1A, 1B wide receiver in the league. And then Adam Thielen as well uh, on the other side with Dalvin Cook. Uh, so just great weapons to utilize there. And, and their team has always been solid on both sides of the ball. I think it's just that extra piece of letting their best players do what they need to do and go over the top outside of a a set game plan that they were stuck to and confined to in previous years. That's going to allow Minnesota to compete uh, for a playoff spot this year in the NFC. So realigning the mindset after a bit of like, surely they've had some good draft picks over the past few years. I can't. Well, that's that one of them is Justin Jefferson and then I I, I'm not the super deep dive into past drafts football guy because um, I just I can't read some of the defensive players you get hung up on on wide receivers running backs Mm -hmm. things like that but um, they've been able to continue to build a young team and and in the last three or four years they've always been that kind of sexy sleeper pick and then this year I think they're finally actually starting to realize some of that potential well, against a team like the Eagles, they're kind of fringe playoffs or have been the last few years. Look, we've done podcasts for so long. I kind of have a relative sense of go. the NFL standings. Uh, that'll be a good test for them. So looking forward tomorrow morning to checking in on that one as well. And then what went on this weekend, though? Yeah, we got a big recap. I, I know the theme from week one was that the AFC looked a lot stronger than the NFC, but week two proving that craziness and parody still exists in the nfl now uh barring the result of tonight's buffalo tennessee game we only have four oh and two teams coming out of week two so a lot of teams with a win and a loss on the board uh and and due to some really crazy finishes uh we start on the thursday night where uh the Los Angeles Chargers were the much better team in that matchup on Amazon for the first time. And in the end, the Chiefs uh, championship winning DNA came through and they were able to pull out a win down 17 to seven. They pull it out 24 to 17, uh, a big pick six off of Justin Herbert and both QBs made the plays. But in the end, the Chiefs made one more that was necessary to, to win. And the Chargers are going to look back and think, about another wasted opportunity where they were a really strong team and they just tripped over their own feet, couldn't get out of their own way. And will now once again, be looking up chasing the top dogs in the AFC West. Moving on to Sunday here uh, for the first time since 2009, the Mets, the Yankees, the Jets and the Giants all won on the same day. Uh, so 13 years in the making, and a big part of that is because of the poor quality teams that the Jets and Giants have put forward, but they both got a win this weekend. The Giants getting another grinded out late field goal win against Carolina, just as they did last week in week one, and they are 2-0 and uh, for the first time in a very long time. I can't even remember the last time where the Giants were 2-0. and uh, It's been the first time they've had a winning record, I think, since 2013. So to go 2-0, it's even further back than that. Um, they don't look particularly special, but they're doing enough to win. And Brian Dable came, coming over from Buffalo uh, seems to be a good coaching hire. And we'll see if the uh, G-men can keep it rolling. On the other side of that coin, the New York Jets with a shocking 
win over the Cleveland Browns. They had a 0.3% chance of winning with a minute and 20 left. They were down 13 points, I believe. They get a bomb from Joe Flacco to Corey Davis. They recover the onside kick, and they get a last-second touchdown to Garrett Wilson, who was sitting on my bench in fantasy, and take that one from the Browns, who could have started the year 2-0 without Deshaun Watson, and they choke away that game, and that's a big one to lose for them uh, because the Jets probably most people had as a win on their schedule, and after their big week one win, they were in a good position to stack up some wins before their quarterback who they paid a ton of capital for came back. Uh, But that's a big win for the jets without Zach Wilson behind the wheel. And they're looking to keep things rolling there in New York with a couple of of fun, young, quick teams uh, for, for New York fans to cheer on. I wonder how they do the odds on that last touchdown. Cause like that's three long shots, right? A long bomb recovering the onside kick and one more long bomb. So like tradition. They were able to drive it down a little bit more and get into the red zone on the last one, but still, okay. like it was, it was a do or die moment, nonetheless. No, for sure, but like you, I, I know an onside kick and a touchdown are roughly the same, exact same probability of likelihood, but like you're looking at three unlikely yeah. to happen situations. Um, like if if you score them like roughly equally at the onset, but then once two of them happen. Like, is that almost more likely now that, like, the third happens? You see defenses collapse like that with the momentum going against them. Yeah, for sure. It's a momentum thing where a defense is kind of punched in the mouth and still uh, losing their balance and trying to figure out where guys are missing assignments just because things are have sped up all of a sudden and they're unable to keep track. Like, the Corey Davis touchdown that they gave up, is inconceivable um just really poor defense letting someone sneak behind you like that when you didn't have to even uh look to stop short yardage plays and just let the jets stink and dunk and run out the clock uh and then the onside kick they could have let it roll out of bounds they tried hitting it back towards their own team to preserve it to land on it and then uh in the end just could not get a stop when they needed one. And their team had had looked really good through two weeks and were in a great spot. Um, and and that's going to be one that Browns fans really have nightmares about going forward. Well, better to get it over with in week two and make the adjustments. Yeah. Another crazy comeback happening around the same time. So if you had bet the Browns-Ravens in a parlay, you just had a terrible Sunday, quite frankly, and and yeah. it's feeding into this week. Yeah, you went out, like, looked all good on your bets, went out for a smoke, and then checked your phone again and stepped in front of a car. Pretty much. That's how it went. Uh, or, in this case, a cheetah, as the Miami <laughs> Dolphins shock the Baltimore Ravens on the road. Uh, Baltimore was up by 21, I think, in the fourth quarter. And okay. Miami able to get some deep strikes to uh, Jalen Waddle and to and uh, Tyreek Hill to a of Iloa with 460 yards, six touchdowns in that game. So a great fantasy performance on his side. And the Dolphins marking themselves down is for real, a team that's two and zero, and it shows that. Even at the highest level, sometimes you just go pick the fastest players, and that's going to be enough to win. Because uh, Tyreek and Jalen, there's there's no one on in the NFL that can cover both of those guys 
consec at, at the same time during a play. So they get a lot of open opportunities and uh, the Ravens and other team like the Browns where their secondary just fell apart trying to defend that lead late. And uh, Lamar Jackson, who has been phenomenal on fantasy for me so far through two weeks, he had 42 points again today. Uh, with the rushing and, and the throwing for touchdowns. And he had four touchdowns total with over 100 yards, passing Mike Vick for all-time quarterbacks with 100-plus rushing yard games. But they couldn't get a first down when they needed it. And their running game without Lamar um, activating, just they don't have the running backs right now without J.K. Dobbins. And that's worrisome if you're a Ravens fan. But luckily for you, the Steelers look like garbage and the Cincinnati Bengals are on that Super Bowl hangover nonsense. They lose to the Dallas Cowboys, whose quarterback was Cooper Rush this week, and they cannot stop anyone. Uh, their offensive line is a turnstile. I mean, given they have had to play TJ Watt and Micah Parsons, probably two of the top five edge rushers in the league today, but they couldn't keep anyone in front of you front of them uh, uh joe burrow got minced the whole game and now it's three years of joe burrow getting crushed and you just worry as a Bengals fan how long he's gonna last the chiefs did a great thing and invested in their offensive line to keep mahomes protected and cincinnati that has to be number one thing right now and in drafts moving forward because he's getting blown up and they are zero and two to start the season Luckily for them, Browns, Ravens at one and one, Steelers at one and one, still lots of ground to make up there in a crazy AFC North. Other storylines from the weekend, the New Orleans Saints and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers got into a football brawl, which is always funny to watch guys swinging at each other's helmets and just pushing each other over. Uh, Mike Evans lit up Marshawn Lattimore. He's got a one-game suspension uh, for next week. And, and Tom Brady just walking around yelling at people, starting fights. He was having a really tough time in that game, spiking iPads, uh, yelling at his teammates, yelling at everyone he could find just seems like he's not having a great time this year. And you wonder if he should have stayed retired uh, in the off season, but the bucks do get another couple big plays as they did against Dallas. Uh, they, they win another game. And despite the faults that that team is obviously showing, they are two and zero, and well on their way to capturing the one seed in, in a weaker NFC conference, the Jacksonville Jaguars blank, uh, the Indianapolis Colts, whose defense I am dropping as soon as tomorrow morning, uh, 24 to nothing. And the Jaguars with Trevor Lawrence off to a pretty solid start on their season this year uh, and, and looking to see if they can steal a weak AFC South division uh, and be the champs there. The Denver Broncos, my team, it went how my nightmares went, where there was a significant part of me that was worried about how Russell Wilson was going to look because he hasn't been the same player the last couple of years and they just extended him with the big money contract and he has been brutal so far through two games looks good when he's on the move uh, but looks very small and very intimidated when he drops back to pass and the Houston Texans who are going to be in line for maybe the worst record in the league this year were able to stay close until the fourth quarter and even then uh, Broncos fans booing the team as they came out onto the field, unable to generate offense. Final score there, 16-9 Denver, but it felt like a loss almost, just not seeing that offense connect. Uh, the, the 
thing you got to give to Russell is that he didn't have some of his weapons, KJ Hamler, uh, Tim Patrick, as well as Jerry Judy all out for that game. So really only had Cortland Sutton, but you're looking for more out of a, out of a so-called elite quarterback. The Arizona Cardinals saved their season. They looked really bad last week, but they survive against Vegas uh, down double digits late into that game. They get the craziest like 25 second long two point conversion by Kyler Murray. Just running. It was like a video game running back and forth, back and forth, back and forth, then ran around enough that his blockers came back and eventually were able to block again. (laughs) <laughs> and then ran through them and, and ran in for the two-point conversion. Then later in the game, uh, five seconds left in the game, they get called for delay of game, uh, sets them back to a second and goal from the seven-yard line. He ends up running that one in as well. Then they get the two-point conversion to tie it on the last play of the game. This goes to overtime, uh, unable to convert. Vegas think they fumble it but they recover it. Then they fumble it again. And Arizona's running in for the touchdown. And the guy tosses the ball up in the air, right? As he crosses the threshold and he did just barely get in for a touchdown, but he almost threw away their game as well. Just two really tough teams this year that are going to struggle. And and it was a comedy towards the end there. If you haven't watched those highlights, Max, I'd recommend you go take a look at that game. And the Cardinals save themselves from starting 0-2. And Kyler Murray just looks disinterested the whole time that he plays. And if you're an Arizona fan, you got to be disappointed. There was such potential for this guy as the number one pick, but he just doesn't look like he cares about football. Last game here, Trey Lance, uh, who was going to be the 49ers go-to guy this season. Pretty nasty ankle injury. Uh tried to stand up after he got tackled, went back down, and on the replay you can see his angle is is at a 90-degree angle. He looks to be done for the season, which is unfortunate for San Francisco. Luckily for them, they have maybe the best backup quarterback in the game right now in Jimmy Garoppolo, and he's going to step in there and, and be a pretty consistent presence for them uh, as they get another good win against Seattle. Besides that, Aaron Rodgers once again owns the Chicago Bears franchise with a with a win last night and looking forward to the Monday games tonight as that wraps up football fan cave with my fantasy MVP going to a shared duo of Tyreek Hill and Jalen Waddle, both scoring over 40 points, which is pretty unusual for one offense to have two 40-point guys, but they were everywhere yesterday on the field. All right, that's going to do it for Football Fan Cave. We can talk a little bit of basketball here. The Eurobasket finals between Spain and France happened yesterday. And Juancho Hernan Gomez, Bo Cruz, with 27 points as Spain wins another major international title after winning the FIBA World Cup in most recent memory. They are a giant of basketball and, and consistently put out a quality team, this time without the Gasol brothers, uh, they were able to win with guys like Lorenzo Brown, uh, Raptors 905 G League MVP, uh, with the Hernan Gomez brothers, and and uh, a great performance from Wancho, who did sign with the Raptors this offseason. So maybe having a, a solid role-playing season loading, but I think in actuality, the way I see this season going for him is a guy who Raptors fans are going to fall in love with 
push for him to get more minutes, but he's never actually going to produce or play enough defense for Nick Nurse to trust him. And I think he'll be towards the end of the rotation, unfortunately. That's just my prediction for the year. I'd love to see him prove me wrong because that means we have another guy kind of like Thaddeus Young to plug into the lineup. All right, moving on to baseball. As we fly through things, the Toronto Blue Jays split their series with the Tampa Bay Rays and jump ahead of them by winning the first two or three against Baltimore. And they have been playing great ball in September, peaking at the right time. And I was raving about Jordan Romano's 21 for 21 save streak, 0.38 ERA uh, at home. And of course, what do you know? He goes and blows a save. Uh, yesterday afternoon to the Baltimore Orioles, uh, up a run in the ninth inning. He gives up three, and the Blue Jays uh, able to get one back, but not able to fully complete the comeback in the last inning. And they drop a important game to Baltimore. They overall win the series, but that one's tough to swallow. Uh, not to be overlooked is how great Romano has been this year, and everyone's due for one. Hopefully he can bounce back. They have the off day today. And they cannot look past this really solid Philadelphia's Phillies team who are in a wild card spot in the National League before they have another big three-game series against Tampa Bay Rays. They also only sit five games back of the Yankees. Now 16 games left in the season. It's on the table. You want to put some pressure on New York, but really you want to make sure your guys are at full health and full capacity heading towards a best of three first round playoff series in the wild card round. The important conversation that's coming up about a three-game series would be who the starter would be in that game three. Of course, Alec Manoa and Kevin Gosman are your definitive one-two in the Blue Jays staff, but Jose Barrios starting to find his form has not been great all year and, and has given up a ton of home runs and Ross Stripling, definitely the hotter pitcher between the two, uh, but doesn't have that same proven track record as Jose Barrios as an ace starter in the past. So definitely a difficult decision if it had to come for come to that for uh, Schneider to make. I personally right now would go with Ross Stripling because of the quality he's been pitching at. But if you see him start to falter down the stretch, then I think you're able to revert to Barrios just as a guy who um, you know has the number one stuff. To, to be in a game deciding uh, or in a playoff deciding game. Is that a case-by-case -case, um, judgment for you? Like the hot hand or the proven track record or like you always find yourself siding on the hot hand if it's there? Oh, I think it's definitely case-by-case. -case. I tend to lean towards the hot hand, but there's a number of factors, especially in baseball that you have to consider. Like what what uh, pitcher matches well against bats in the lineup. They look at a lot at arm angle and launch angle and uh, swing planes and stuff like that. When, when looking at guys, different pitch rate and spin rate and the angle that comes out. So that goes into account as well as the more old fashioned, how many lefties righties who pitches better against what guys in the order um, as well as how you want to set up your bullpen in that game. So Barrios, a much harder thrower and, and stripling with a little bit more off-speed stuff. Maybe that sets you up better for someone you have coming out of your bullpen later in the game. So an endless variety of decisions that go into it. But I think from a very high level, I tend to side with the hot hand uh, and, and 
I think you see both of them at some point in that game. Could be really cool to see Barrios come out of the bullpen, throw two innings, and and be able to touch 100 because he doesn't have to worry about stretching himself out over 100 pitches. That could be pretty useful for the Blue Jays, but um, only time will tell to see if they end up in a situation like that. That's it for baseball. We're up here to tennis as... We'll talk Davis Cup first. Canada qualifies through the group stage. Uh, Felix with a couple of big wins against Alcaraz, an upset in the group stage, and then as well beat the Serbian, uh, I can't even catch a minute, Nov. I, I look at it and think Kekmanovic, but... <laughs> oh, yeah, that sounds right. So a couple big wins for Canada there. They're moving through the group stage into the quarterfinals. And then, of course, the big news, a farewell to another GOAT of the game, Roger Federer, following in Serena's footsteps, retiring uh, this year from the game of tennis. He was another uh, immovable object, just felt like he was going to crush his opponent every time he stepped on the court. Uh, More of our kind of, Older siblings, we don't have older siblings, but that would be kind of the perfect spot to place Roger in because uh, my parents and and people slightly older than me are always in awe of Roger. And he's, he is the goat for a lot of people that watch and love tennis. So he definitely displayed stuff during his prime that we're seeing along the lines of Nadal and Djokovic uh, and, and maybe early Carlos Alcaraz, but um, Roger Federer have seen him win many matches many times over and come back from injuries and win grand slams and uh just want to say congratulations on a fantastic career for him and we're truly now into a new era of tennis with with these two uh staples of the game for the last 20 years um finally moving on yeah in in terms of the mainstream popularity there's no comparison between Federer and the other two members of the big three it's not even close um so many fantastic stories to read of on the court and off off the court behavior um from Roger I've read up on some fantastic matches that I had no idea happened um and so instead of just copying other people's stuff I'll just put that out there because as Owen said, it was more of a childhood name and someone you heard and associated with winning than someone I got to watch too much as the peak of his career. I think we were about nine years old um, before Nadal and Djokovic kind of came and stole the scene. But how, when we talk about men's greatness in tennis um, from now until the foreseeable future, and I think I can't it will be a monumental change when this is over. Will that greatness or legendariness um, will be a standard that was set by Roger Federer? Uh, the outpourings from people who have been his fans, his competitors have been amazing to read about, and um, the the timing is nice. We'll get to play, watch him play one more time. I think this week, representing Team Europe at the Lave Cup with Nadal and Djokovic by his side, Andy Murray, Stefano Tsitsipas, and one or two other names I might be forgetting. Um, Team Europe always seems so, so, so stacked against Team World, Um, but that'll be a really fun send-off, and maybe this sort of group team format uh, will 
make it all the more fun as we'll get to see Roger be part of the competition right until the end. Yeah, it'll be a great showcase event and I'm sure they'll have a couple of moments there to send him off in style. 100%. Uh, yeah, we managed to stretch this one out a little longer than I thought we might get into trouble there. Uh, any send-off notes? No, nope, just that I'm going to send us off in style uh, with a thank you to everyone once again for listening. We are we are grinding through the September months, very close to the start of NBA and NHL preseason. Uh, and, and of course, MLB, NFL in full swing. I know Max is going to look into the upcoming fights in the near future that are going to be must-watch television. Uh, but until then... Uh, once again, thank you everyone for listening and I hope you have a pleasant week here in the middle of September. We, uh, you said this morning with the, with the cold weather that it was a unexpected right turn. I'm really loving it, uh, starting to go to work in the morning and, and that's a nice, refreshing, crisp, uh, breeze. That's not too hot and not too cold yet, but it's a very short amount of time that we have it. So learn to enjoy it and, uh, spooky season just around on the corner as well mm -hmm. seeing the halloween pop-ups everywhere i go uh yeah trying something a little different on the editing for this one so hopefully the rain the budget the buzz of my fridge that i'm currently hearing play back in my mic uh our listeners have not heard at all um if they are along with any other weirdness that comes from the edit future me is about to attempt uh, my apologies um but we're working towards the best. We don't have a motto here, but uh, we'll find one at some point. Until then, we'll just stick with Sports Next Door, signing out.